Welcome to the Post Game Podcast. I'm Paul Golden. I'm excited to have my friend Tim Burke on today's episode. Tim is a former all-star pitcher in the big leagues. You're going to hear Tim describe how God changed his life while playing in the minor leagues and share he and his wife's roller coaster journey through adoption. I think you'd be fascinated to know that this Major League dad not only walked away from baseball at the height of his career, but he also walked away from his faith. And I know you'll be encouraged as you hear his comeback story. Tim explains a little bit about his battle with depression and marriage troubles and how God used them in beautifully painful ways. You'll be moved as Tim details the dark times when his life fell apart and how God grew him through his brokenness. Let's get to our conversation now with Major League Dad, Tim Burke. Welcome to uh, the Post Game Podcast. Our special guest today is uh, Tim Burke, former Major League Baseball pitcher. So, Tim, welcome to the show. Hey, Paul. Good to talk to you. Thanks for joining us. I'm a chaplain for uh, the uh, Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins. That's the AHL affiliate for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And several years ago, I get a phone call from Rick Matera, who at the time was with Hockey Ministries International, and says, hey, I'm coming through town. I want to see you and go to dinner with one of the Penguins players. And I'm bringing a friend uh, with me uh, with HMI. His name is Tim Burke. I'm like, Tim Burke, is that the baseball player? And he's like, yes, yes, it is. So I'm a Yankee fan growing up. And I remember remember you and your time with the Yankees. So just by way of review, for those uh, who are not familiar with Tim Burke, you're a retired uh, Major League Baseball player. You were a relief pitcher for three teams, right? The Montreal Expos, New York Mets, and the New York Yankees. That was, what, 1985 to 1992. Uh, you spent a total of eight years in the majors. You're 49 and 33 with 102 saves and almost uh, 500 games pitched, 498 to be exact. Uh, you led the National League in appearances in 1985 uh, with 78, and you were an All-Star in 1989. And we're going to talk a little bit about what happened during that break at the All-Star break. This is interesting. Your career 2.72 ERA is lower than all Hall of Fame relief pitchers, except for Mariano Rivera and Hoyt Wilhelm. You're in great company. Hey, I enjoyed my time in the big leagues, loved it. And uh, yeah, I, I had a good career. I did well. I was playing in Montreal most of my career, so we're a little below the radar up there. But uh, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. And you were traded from the Mets to the Yankees. That was kind of nice, right? I'm assuming you stayed in the same uh, same place, didn't have to move. Yeah, yeah, that really it was, <laughs> it's kind of funny. Uh, we had uh, adopted Nicole, our third child, the year before that, and she had really bad heart problems. And so we had open heart surgery scheduled for her in Montreal. Had the open heart surgery when she was 10 months old. She got brain damage from complications after the surgery. The night before, I get a call at the hospital, and it's my manager. I got traded from Montreal to the New York Mets the night before our open heart surgery, so that couldn't have been any worse. Anyway, then fast forward a year, and we had... uh, Got to New York, got all the good doctors and everything. And so things were getting, you know, really hard with a mentally handicapped child. And uh, like now she's 31, but she's a permanent toddler mentally. But um, she's a riot. She's awesome. And so anyway, yeah, I, I get traded halfway through that season, but it's to the Yankees. So 
thankfully we didn't have to move. It didn't mess up our family routine with Nicole and everything. So it worked out great. It was a little shocking because I grew up hating the Yankees. Always. I hate just hated <laughs> them. I was a big Dodger fan and just never liked the Yankees. Then all of a sudden I get a phone call saying I am a New York Yankee. And that was like, it was like, oh man. So I got to make a quick adjustment. And so then I drove, instead of going to Shea, I drove to Yankee Stadium that night and uh, put on the pinstripes. And, you know, it's pretty cool for a baseball player to be able to put on the pinstripes and go to work at Yankee Stadium. So I got adjusted to that pretty well. And you ended your career uh, wearing those pinstripes. But let's back up. Uh, You were originally drafted. You grew up in uh, Omaha, Nebraska. You were drafted by the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, second round of the 1980 draft, and uh, you're in the minor leagues, and uh, if you're struggling there, you're in Buffalo, New York, of all places. Yep, Buffalo was a incredibly memorable season for a lot of reasons, but yeah, Double A and baseball. You know, baseball was my god. That's really all. I mean, that's what I really cared about, and I couldn't get anybody out that year. <laughs> and so, and Christine and I uh, were going to get married at the end of the season, but I didn't want to go the whole year without her. So I just said, you know what? Just fly to Buffalo. Let's get married during the season. And so she did, and that started out terrible because I was just a kid and she was a kid and we were just and I couldn't get anybody out that year and I was just drinking all the time to try to handle me pitching bad and wondering how my career is going to go and so anyway long story short is yeah we got married in Buffalo I had a terrible season in Buffalo but we also became Christians in Buffalo that changed our entire life around and so really thankful for the difficulties that brought that about and then from what it's meant the rest of our lives and so Christine hung in there with me in fact uh in two months it'll be 40 years we've been married so well congratulations well you you said you had drinking problems problems on the mound marriage problems and uh you were invited to a a team bible study Tell us about what was going through your mind uh, at that moment. Well, it was kind of funny because the guy that invited me to the Bible study, he and I were rooming together until we got married. But the year before he and I roomed together in A-Ball, he and I ran around all the time going out, being crazy. And then halfway through the year, he became a Christian. And it was like I couldn't get him out anymore to run around with me and I got really mad at him I'd yell at him all the rest of the year and he still loved me and cared about me then the next season he and another teammate just asked if we wanted to go to a bible study and I just that was when it was really bad and I just thought geez that's really kind of the last thing I really want to do but you know all right I'll ask Christine she was gonna go home and get a divorce because she knew she made a mistake in marrying me and everything that was going on. And so I mentioned it to her. She goes, man, I don't know. It's 
not going to make things any worse. So I'll stick around another week. We can go if you want to go. And so we went. We both heard for the first time what being a Christian was, which we'd never heard before. I always believed in the Bible and went to church, but it didn't really mean anything to me. Same with Christine. And then it was like, whoa. So being a Christian, Christ follower is basically what Christian is. And it's like, oh man, Jesus, I have not followed him. And I don't know, he's not on my top 10, let alone number one. And so anyway, it did just kind of tweak our interests. It was like, whoa. But we realized coming out of that Bible study, it was like, man, you know what? We're we're not Christians. And so if we get hit by a bus right now, we're probably not going to heaven, but you know, I wasn't going to jump into anything. Neither was Christine. So we ended up going to the Bible study the next week and we started reading the Bible a little more. And so then we started kind of, she kept giving me week to week extensions on the marriage. We'd go to the next Bible study. And then finally, by the end of the season, August 25th, actually, we both woke up and I ran into this Bible verse that said, cast all your anxieties on him, Jesus because he cares for you. And like the lights went on, the dots connected. And I just thought, oh, so he loves me enough to where he wants my pitching problems, my marriage problems, drinking problems. Like he loves me. Like it was about love and not rules and everything. And then, yeah, we both kind of just gave our lives to the Lord that day. And so uh, it's been quite the journey since. But so because of that, man, Buffalo... Even though we were playing in War Memorial Stadium with 80,000 seats in April when it's 40 degrees out, we'd have like 30 fans in the stands and and we were terrible. I was terrible. The season like couldn't have gone any worse, but got married, changed our lives. God changed our lives that year. So, man, I I love Buffalo for all of that. August 25th, 1982, you you and your wife, same day, became followers of Christ. So all your problems went away, right? Is that the rest of the story? We'll pick up on that later, but uh, tell us about your family. We talked about your children. You have adopted all of your children, and they're all uh, international adoptions as well as special needs. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that story? We weren't getting pregnant, you know, our first few years of marriage, and so in Montreal, we decided to do some tests and found out it was like, well, we're not going to have children. And so Christine immediately wanted to adopt. And I just thought, oh my gosh, there is no way I can. (laughs) I loved the idea of it. I thought, man, anybody that adopts, that's so cool, but I, I cannot do that. And so I did it as sensitively as I could, but I told Christine, I said, man, there's there's no way I can do that. And she was great. She didn't say anything more about it. And all she did for the next year, and I didn't know about it, but she was praying behind my back. And so, guys, I'm telling you, if you got a wife praying behind your back, watch out, because it's pretty powerful. So the next a year passes, and so then... And we're driving down Dodge Street in Omaha. I can picture it right now. And I just turned to Christine. I said, you know, I just have the deepest desire to adopt a little Korean girl. And she just about fell out of the truck. She just lost it. She goes, that's what I've been praying for for a year. God would change your heart and that we would adopt. We would adopt an international child. And so anyway, that started it. And and it was just, you know, we got Stephanie 
And uh, it was neat. Her birth date is August 25th, which I just just thought, thank you, Lord. That's just another little bonus that we're doing the right thing. You know, like her birthday is when our spiritual birthday is. And anyway, then we adopted uh, two years later, uh, Ryan from Guatemala, um, and then Nicole two years later from Korea, and then uh, Wayne from Vietnam, and then Jackie from Guatemala. And so anyway, we had adopted five international kids some of them special needs a lot has transpired since then but we've had some real difficulties with some of them and we uh ended up having to give up two of them because of difficulties and so we've been through the highs and the lows we don't regret a minute of it i'm an adoptive uh, parent as well we did it domestically why did the lord tug at your heart for international versus doing something in the U.S. It was just on our hearts. And so we went with it. We rolled with it. That's right. Little taste of heaven, little United Nations there at the Burke uh, household. For those that might be interested on our website, uh, paulgolden.org, there's a resource there called Becoming an Adoption Friendly Church. That might, if you're thinking about adoption, like uh, Tim and Christine did and myself, uh, there's a great resource there at paulgolden.org. And while you're at it, you can subscribe to the podcast and uh, look at past episodes. If I remember right, during the All-Star game, you were an All-Star in 1989. During that break, you were supposed to go and to Guatemala, right, to adopt uh, your son? Yeah, that was a that was a crazy week because I ended up getting picked for the All-Star team. But we had already made plans to go to Guatemala over the All-Star break to adopt our son, Ryan. And so I got to, you know, pick for the All-Star game. So that really messed with our plans. And so I told Christine, I said, hey, I don't need to play in the All-Star game. This is more important. And she goes, no, you've got to play in the All-Star game. You got to do that. And so, uh, and so she flew down like Maybe the game was Tuesday. She flew down, I think, Sunday. I went to Anaheim for the game. And then uh, after the game, caught a midnight red eye from LAX to Guatemala City. And we got Ryan and came back uh, two days after that. Just I got to the ballpark right at game time in Cincinnati. And uh, got dressed, got to the dugout about the third inning, and you know didn't get any sleep because all the everything. And then I ended up pitching the ninth and getting the save. So it was a really crazy week. It was really great. What a great All Star break! It was nothing but a break, but a great memory for that. Mm -hmm. You're kind of at the height of your career. And I think you would have had even a, even more impressive numbers than you already have. But you decided to walk away from the game. I know sometimes players walk away from the game because no team wants them. Or like a Dave Dravecki, who we just had on a recent podcast, he had no choice. And you were there just speaking to Dave Dravecki. You told me you were in the dugout the night that he broke his arm. Yep. I was there. I was in the dugout. Dave and I were friends, and it just was as horrifying a thing as I've ever seen. It was just awful. I'm glad you talked to him. He, oh, man, and we still stay in touch. In fact, I talked to him two days ago, and, yeah, we're still dear friends, and what a great man he is. A lot of similarities, but he had to end his career without much of a say. You decided to really walk away from the game at the 
height of your career. What led you to that choice? Yeah, it was weird. It was just, you know, I went to spring training. I had signed with the Cincinnati Reds, so I was ready to play another year, like always. I'd played 13 years professionally already, so I was ready to play. But then uh, it was just a God thing. God just changed my heart like he did. And when he changed my heart toward adoption, he changed my heart. We were waiting on our fourth adopted child by then. And so there were a lot of needs, especially with Nicole. And he just put it on my heart to just walk away and be home more for the kids and Christine. She was just overwhelmed with, you know, the kids because pro athletes, we, you know, were gone a lot. And it's uh, like a one man job as far as for a woman taking care of the kids and the house and life. And so God just changed my heart and I just retired. Walked into Tony Perez's office and Tony was manager at the time. And so told Tony and left. That's a lot of money to leave on the table that you're walking away from a a good career. But I admire you for taking that stance. Uh, The L.A. Times, Bill Plasky back then wrote an article about uh, you walking away. And there's a great line in his article. You know, you're only 34 years old at the time. And Bill says this about you. He says he had the arm, but he didn't have the heart. And I thought that was interesting that your heart really was with your family versus your career. Yeah, that's exactly right. And uh, Bill wrote that article just in the LA Times, but it got picked up all across the country and it kind of made some news and focus on the family wanted us to write a book. And so we ended up writing a book about our story and our lives. And uh, God really used it in some really neat ways there for a few years. I was out and about speaking and uh, it apparently helped people decide to adopt. And it was it was quite a time. Yeah. That was great. The name of the book, I think, is Major League Dad. I'm sure it's still out there on Amazon somewhere. So Catch mm-hmm. that book, Major League Dad. I'm a big uh, 90s CCM contemporary Christian music fan. Jeff Moore and The Distance. My buddy Jeff, yes. That is a classic video. I think it was 1995. They had a song, I think that Stephen Curtis Chapman and Jeff Moore wrote called Home Run. Yeah, It's a catchy tune. You can go on YouTube and catch it. I guarantee if you listen to the song once or twice, that song will stick in your head the rest of the day. But you make a cameo pitching in, uh, I think it looked like Nashville. You're pitching to Jeff Moore. You got a serious flow going. Like your hair is outstanding. So it's worth checking out the YouTube video just for that hair. But tell us about that video shoot and that music. Oh, man, that's I hadn't thought about it in, in a long time until my birthday was two weeks ago. And so my my son-in-law, uh, he married Stephanie. They're doing great. They're in Branson, Missouri. He made a, a GIF, a GIF, you know, one of mm-hmm. those little quick things you see on Twitter and everything. And it's me throwing the pitch and saying, hey, punk, you're mine. And so it's like I just died because he, my son-in-law, grew up loving the song and the video and everything. And so he makes this this GIF and he he texted to me and so i texted that to jeff he said like that's the greatest thing he's ever seen it was hilarious jeff and i became dear friends back then and we still are and stephen curtis and a number of the others and so it's been a really neat relationships over the years it's a great tune it's an awesome video and you got to see it just for the hair and your cameo appearance so that's right it's classic. Well, you left the career. Things are going well. You're writing books. You're out speaking. 
but yet things aren't going as planned, right? Things get worse. Tell us about what happened, kind of a downward spiral. You walked away from baseball and I think you're almost either you were walking away from your faith or it felt like that way. Basically, like, so that was 93. I retired. Um, fast forward, we wrote the book. I was speaking two or three times around the country each month. And, you know, God's using us. Other than that, I'm staying home most of the time. And then anyway, then we're doing uh, our own ministry to retired athletes and their wives. And then... Uh, there just were some real difficulties at home with a couple of the kids. And so I don't want to go into detail with it, but there were just some real problems. So we ended up having kids in different institutions and we had to give up two of our kids legally and, and get them adopted into other homes. Life just fell apart. And so when there is serious, serious trauma, it's really going to come out husband and wife and we both took it out on each other and I was like I was a good Christian God was using us like crazy for so many years and then everything falls apart and I got mad at God and I just said oh the heck with you then I, I mean I was a good player for you and you're not taking care of me I don't know where I got that but I think a lot of us do where God should keep hard times away from us, but there isn't anybody in the Bible that was protected from all of the hard times. We all go through them. And so that, in fact, that's what God uses in great ways, but it's hard. And so I, both Christine and I turned our back on, we were separated. We were going to get a divorce and God just intervened in some, oh, beautifully painful bizarre ways specifically through larry crab is a, he was an author and speaker and came into our lives and he became my dearest friend over the years but it took a lot of healing a lot of work and man i mean so christine and i she's here for quite a long time now we've been better off than ever but we went through a real dark night of the soul and many people do that and uh i'm just so thankful for the lord for all of that and now you know i'm in the hockey world and ministering to hockey players but i really love being around people that are really struggling because i've been there i've been as depressed as you can get for months well probably a year or two and i know how lonely it is how painful it is and uh we all need Jesus, and I'm so thankful for what he's done, and yeah, it was tough. God uses our kind of our brokenness and our own experience to, to serve and minister to others, and I know you're doing that with not only baseball players currently, but also hockey players. You're a baseball guy. How in the world did you get involved in hockey? Well, God is weird. He's got a sense of humor. He's just strange, and so my seven years I played up in Montreal. I mean, Montreal is just hockey heaven up there, and so the group that did a lot of ministry with hockey called Hockey Ministries International. They were doing our Bible studies when I first got there. So I got to be great friends with them and then uh, got to know, got to be really close with a couple of hockey players back then. God just gave me a heart for hockey guys. And so then after we went through all that difficulties and, and everything now for the last 20 years, I've been 
in ministry to NHL players and uh, God's just using a old baseball player in the hockey world, which I love it from being a baseball player. I understand the lifestyle. I understand all the things that go along with it, whether it's NFL, Major League Baseball, NHL, you know, I, I get it. It's been really a fun journey and I just love these guys. What do you see as a difference between there's like the spiritual climate in baseball as compared to the spiritual climate in hockey? It's night and day in some ways, really, because half the league is Canadian. So they're less churched than Americans. A third of the league is European. Their God isn't really on their radar much at all. And so that just changes the dynamic right away. And they all grew up playing hockey on the weekends. They never, like very few guys grew up Christians. They just kind of played hockey and it's just different. And I love it. There's a lot of similarities, but hockey is uh, in some ways a lot more difficult than NFL or Major League Baseball, just from the culture. So you probably say it's the least of the four major sports, probably the least churched in that yes, sense. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like with no. baseball, most of your guys grew up in the Bible Belt, right? They Texas, Georgia, yeah. Florida. So they have that experience. You initially, when you moved to Denver, you were real active in hockey with the University of Denver. Mm-hmm. So you work with the yeah. college players and then you moved again and uh, doing a lot with uh, the NHL. So what exactly are you doing now with hockey? Yeah, I'm working for Pro Athletes Outreach. We're a ministry that is primarily in the NFL and in Major League Baseball. And now in hockey, the last few years, they asked me to head up the hockey division. Shortly after I left Hockey Ministries, we do a conference. It's been around for 52 years, Pro Athletes Outreach. It's funny because my rookie year in the big leagues, we had one other teammate that was a Christian. He comes to me and he goes, hey, you're going to the PAO conference, you and your wife, we're paying for you. It's in November and that's all there is to it. (laughs) I was like, oh, okay. I don't even know what it is, but we went and it changed our lives, changed our marriage, changed spiritually. Plus it's a bunch of players getting together, uh, together and their wives or girlfriends. And you're in this one setting that is everybody is in the same boat. And so we understand each other. And it was just a time of getting encouraged by other players. And it just developed lifelong relationships. And it really changed us. So we went every year after that for years. And uh, we were on the board. And then life took us other places. And now 20, 30 years later or whatever, now I'm back working for Pro Athletes Outreach, the ministry that changed our lives. And so it's really been exciting now that they're in the hockey world. And I just, but basically what I do is I just do what I've always done, just built relationships with Christian guys or guys that are chapel goers or whoever. It just builds relationships with them. And I guess um, to simplify it, I'm kind of a roving pastor. to a bunch of them because they don't have churches, you know, where they're at and during their schedule and everything. And and then I just encourage them to go to the conference that we have in the summer every year. And the conferences there, the PAO conference is really like a Bible conference 
and a marriage retreat conference. Yeah, it's a time like no other. Like I go to the NFL one and the Major League Baseball one, along with the hockey one, and I hear it all the time. Guys will say it's it it's really is the three best days of their year, them and their wife. Well, you're in a unique spot to to minister, not just to the hockey guys, but the, in the baseball world as well. Just two final questions before we say goodbye. As you look back on your journey, what what spiritual lessons or truths stand out to you? As you look back, all you've experienced and done, what, what are some spiritual lessons you've learned? You know, I have just learned a few foundational things. One of them is that ministry really comes out of relationship. And so I really love relationships. I just treasure them. And I need relationships, as we all do. We're made for you know, community. And so we need connection. And another thing I think is that um, real growth really only comes through brokenness. And hopefully God continues to break me in different ways and I keep growing. But if we don't let the Lord break us in our really painful, hard times, then we're going to kind of get stuck there. And I've experienced God in the greatest ways during brokenness, and I've loved and treasured that time where it's like, man, I've read about him for years, but until it's like, you know, taste and see that the Lord is good. I've tasted and I've seen now when he has worked in our pain and difficult circumstances. That's when I really experienced him. But we need each other to encourage each other going through the hard times. I really, as weird as it sounds, I kind of treasure hard times now because I know God's going to do something amazing and I experience him in those times. God uses the adversity he brings us through to to develop our character and for for our good and for his, his glory. Yeah. Some of our listeners may be going through similar experiences that you experienced, you know, whether it was uh, infertility or depression or struggle with drinking or marriage problems. As we uh, close today, what words of encouragement would you give to those people that are in that same spot that you were in? My words of encouragement don't carry as much weight as Jesus words. And so that's, man, I tell you, I've hung on these words so many times for so long now where he says in this world you will have trouble but take heart i've overcome the world and it's like oh that's right so yeah you're gonna have trouble jesus says but it's okay take heart don't fear i've got this walk with me through it and it's like oh that's what I need to know. And then I'm okay. It may not turn out the way I want it to. Maybe it will, but I'm with him. Wherever I am, I want to be with him. In fact, that's why I've got this, this, uh, can you see it? It's just this tattoo. I see a W-I-T-H tattoo on your wrist. So it's number of years now. It's a reminder of this. No, God is with me. Jesus is with me. So I I'm going to be okay because he's with me. I'm not alone in this. And that's what I would say. And I do say to anybody. So don't go it alone. Without him, we're kind of (laughs) screwed. But with him, 
Oh yeah, we got the God of the universe with us that uh, we're in good company. Hey, thank you, Tim Burke, for sharing your story on the Post Game Podcast. Hey, it's great to have you on the show and uh, God bless. Yeah, I love it, Paul. Thanks a lot. That was so good. I trust you were encouraged by this conversation with Tim Burke. Hey, if you enjoyed it, I'd ask that you subscribe to the Post Game with Paul Golden podcast. Also, why don't you forward this to someone uh, who they themselves might be going through the adoption process or forward it to that person uh, who has a loved one or family member who's walked away from the faith. I know they would be encouraged to hear of Tim and his journey of coming back to the faith. To help with the expenses of this podcast, you can donate online at our website, paulgolden.org. That's paulgolden.org. Thanks again for joining us for the post game with Paul Golden podcast. We'll see you next time.